Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Kind of waking up, but doing okay. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network Thank you so much as always for uh, making your way here Checking out the series Hit that subscribe button if you're not already subscribed Three new interviews every single week So it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists Discover some new ones Know what's happening in the music world iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube For the video version or anywhere you get your podcasts from I'm Kyle Merritt. Today I'm talking with Pearl Jam's Jeff Amens. He's got a brand new solo record called I Should Be Outside. It's a pandemic record that finds him mirroring the world's news and the loss in his own life. And uh, he's going to tell us also about the art series that coincides with, with the record, as well as his art for some of Pearl Jam's most iconic LPs, including No Code, you know, with those, um, well, depending on if you got the vinyl version or the CD version, either way, they both had Polaroids. It's just that the vinyl version was huge Polaroids. Uh, the the album itself celebrating 25 years uh, as it was released in 1996. So uh, Jeff's going to take us back to the writing and recording of that pivotal album and how his side project, Three Fish, actually brought a lot of influence into those recording sessions. Then we'll turn those clocks back to 1991. It is the 30th anniversary of 10. He's going to get into the feelings and environment that went into the iconic album, as well as taking some uh, inspiration from Cheap Trick when he wrote the music to Jeremy and Why Go. Now, we're also going to get a hint on the next Vault release, which sounds like it's going to be an early 90s show, and an update on what happens next with Pearl Jam, as he tells us they've been jamming together and hope to be back on the road by at least later next year. Could there be a new album? We don't get into that, but I'm really hoping there could be if they've got the opportunity. Let's do this. Uh, talking about the solo record, I Should Be Outside. It's Kyle Meredith with Jeff Amit. Hey, Kyle. How are you doing? Good morning. 
Good morning. It's great to see you again. Uh, first off, the compliments. This is my favorite of your solo records so far. Uh, I've been sort of obsessively listening to it this weekend. You knocked it out, man. Well, that's uh, it's good to hear from somebody that I'm moving in the right direction. So that's nice. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, too, because I know it's not like it's not like I'm sure this this record came from a place of um, of, of bright, beautiful spots and rainbows and everything. I mean, this the, the story behind this, right? This this was your pandemic record. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, as soon as the tour got uh, postponed, canceled, whatever, whatever shape it's in right now. Um, uh, I had a lot of energy. So, um, you know, rather than, uh, you know, have the TV on all day and just getting, you know, and getting bad news after bad news, you know, um, I, I just started going in the studio early in the morning and, um, kind of got into a groove and it lasted for three or four months where I was kind of writing something, new every day uh, a lot of it was bad um, but it was a super super fun process and uh, in the in the middle of that I actually had three friends pass away from non-covid related stuff so <clears throat> I had extra time uh, to sort of just think about that and then you know you couldn't go to funerals or anything so that was a, that was a tough um, I, I didn't realize until I was talking about this last week that it, uh, it was actually, it's actually kind of a sad record. <laughs> so. Which I think that's understandable, you know, and I, I think you feel the emotions through a lot of these songs. I mean, they're driving songs, you know, whether they're angry or, or whatever's going on. I mean, I think that's evident. I, it didn't exactly come off to me as a sad record, particularly. Good. Good. Um, I think there was a line you said, maybe online or somewhere where he said, you know, it's, it was a year of carefully measuring waste versus value. And that might've been some of the nicest or best unintended advice that I think I've heard lately. Well, I, I think, you know, we, we, we had, we've had so much time. Uh, you start thinking about how, how are we moving forward and are we going to come out of this thing uh, being smarter? Um, and, and currently we're like, you know, it's the hottest summer on record and, We've had 90s and 100s in Montana here for the last four weeks. There's fires everywhere. There's smoke in the air. Um, we have a governor who's just pulled out of the U.S. climate change deal. So I, I, don't, I don't know what the hell. His timing has really just been pretty unbelievable. But um, but yeah, I, I think you know all of us should come out of this this thing just you know being better human beings and being better to each other and being better to the planet. And, and so I start thinking about like, how are we touring and how are we doing things, you know, how, as a band, I mean, we've always been pretty thoughtful, but you, you just want to even be more thoughtful at this point. So that's where we're at. Some of that stuff you were saying, I think that come out very, um, very plainly in the, in the song, I hear you. Uh, you get, you get very <laughs> raw on that song, which, which is an interesting if I'm if I'm hearing it right anyway, or, or the way I'm interpreting it anyway, because it is that moment like, sure, we need to listen to each other. But man, there's some pardon me, there's some fucked up shit coming from some yeah. of the sides out there. Well, it's it's just when you have, uh, you know, friends and family that um, who are really great human beings and and great fathers and mothers and great community people and then you know, they're just on the other side with a lot of things. And so I, I'm, I'm genuinely uh, interested in what they have to say. And, um, you know, it's like, I, I want them to help me understand uh, 
why they think the way that they they think and um i i think that's the only way moving forward is if we can somehow open up that dialogue to one another and and hear one another you know it's, and it feels like right now everybody's just dug in and in their corners and uh it's it's a hard place to be when you have people that you love on the other side so i was trying to be a little bit funny with that song and a little bit light so but i, I get it i'm you know i'm in kentucky uh, i'm blue town red state right. you know over here yeah, and same. and you know when you talk with like you're saying the ones you love the family members and it's even just beyond you know the conservative liberal side republican democrat you know when it's when it becomes like the conspiracy theories and stuff like that you're like how how did that happen you know yeah. that's that's been the hardest and craziest part for me well and i think i think some of it is you know the people that grew up with walter cronkite you know where he reported the news and the news was the news and there was no emotional or there was no angle on the news it was like this is what's happening I think that generation, they sort of believe what they hear. And so if they're on Facebook and, you know, going back, you know, 20, 30 years with Rush Limbaugh and his radio station and that just kind of that style, um, you know, it's just lazy reporting and it's emotive and it gets the ratings up. And so it's all about power and ratings and money. And, you know, I, I think in a lot of cases, a lot of those guys don't even believe what they're saying. I mean, they certainly, they certainly are spewing anti-vax stuff when all those guys are vaccinated. So that that's right. the part that's you know, it's like well they're just doing it just to keep the ratings going. So it's a but, dangerous, dangerous game there. Yeah, as, but, as we've seen, you know. yeah. You know, on the other side of that, sort of on the musical side of that too, because I want to hit on that for this record. Uh, some compliments um, for the ones that guitar is so hypnotizing. What yeah, you're doing on there? It's a loop. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that makes sense then. It's. Yeah. It's going to be like that. I, you know, there was a ton of those kind of songs in this process because I was I was trying to write a song every day there for two or three months. And so if I just had a loop of something, whether it was a drum or a guitar or kalimba or a keyboard or something, um, it was fun just to sort of change keys over those little loops of things. And um, yeah, that, that one hit me at a, at a day when my friend Simon had sent me a a, a really beautifully stenciled skateboard um, from that was taken from a photo of my dad. And on the back of it, he just wrote, for, this is for the ones. And it just seemed, you know, it, the song wrote itself. <laughs> yeah. On the song Life, what you're doing vocally on that one is the thing that stands out. I mean, it's, I don't know. Is that just you having fun? Is it like a character that you get to embody in those moments? Well, that, that's a, that song is a cover of a flipper song. So I, I was, I was, I was trying to, I was trying to, uh, I didn't want to mimic what Will Shatter, how he was singing on that. I wanted it to be my own thing, but there's also like an irony and a sarcasm in uh, how he's singing those words. So I was trying to capture a little bit of that. that, that one was one, that's the only one that I recorded in Seattle. I was, I was in Seattle uh, doing a little editing, mixing for this thing. And I had, I kept thinking like about this song and I thought, hey, just let me go in and sort of knock it out. So I knocked out a drum track, put through the bass on it. It all happened in about an hour. And then John who recorded it was like, wow, that's really good. That, that fits really good with this group. And I was like, okay, like, I mean, they normally don't say that if you 
knock something out in an hour. So, so we worked on it a little bit and uh, I think we, I think we trimmed it up because I wasn't really thinking about the arrangement too much when I was laying it down. And, um, and it just gave this record a different flavor. Um, so, and, and also a little bit of a, a little bit of humor, which I, I felt like the record needed at, at the end. So it's interesting. That's the one that's recorded in Seattle, uh, Seattle. Cause if you'd asked me, okay, there's one song on here. It's recorded in Seattle. I would have picked, you know, who you are like comparisons aren't always fair, but like, I heard that one's like, wow, there's, there's a bit of an Alice in Chains harmony thing going on here. Oh, it's funny. got that mood, you know, like that would have been the one. Yeah. I could, I could see that even with the way that the, I mean, that's fretless bass, but I could, I could, I could, yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Alice in Chains, King's X, that kind of harmony. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. got, it's got that, that thing, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I'm not good on the lingo on a major minor, you know, for whatever, but it's the way they're laid. It's like, oh yeah, that's, well, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, I think anyway, it's minor so. thirds. Like, I think that's the Alice, that's the Alice thing, which is they're, they're the best in the planet to do that. So there's a really strong artwork uh, tie-in with this whole thing. I and mean, especially mm -hmm. if you, you look online, you know, you're, you're showing all of these pieces. Um, did they go together? I mean, as I read, right, these are being created together, the art and the songs. Yeah, I mean, it was the, you know, I was sort of just bouncing back and forth. And I've always, I've thought about that forever. And there's, and we've done it a little bit on Pearl Jam Records, where you create a piece of art for the, for each song. Um, but I was, as I got into this, I, I thought I, I, it would be great if I could just start to tie some things in. Like if I'm, if I'm stuck in the studio, then I would just go out and paint for an hour and, um, and, and back and forth. And um and then I just started to tie some things in. And even the days that I wasn't in the studio, I was still, uh, I was still painting something. So um, I, I've been hesitant to put up to this point to kind of put my paintings out there um, just because I, I liked that there was no, I was just doing it to do it. And there was no expectation or there's no people saying like, you got a gallery show and three months and so the you know I've I feel like I have plenty of deadlines with the band so like it was nice to have this medium that there was no deadline but when I was finishing this record up there was just no other thing that I could think of that worked visually so I I um I I threw together I think I sent uh Regan Hagar helped me laid out and I just sent him everything I had which is a couple hundred paintings and he just like started putting them into a grid and we started moving things around and then it I was like yeah that makes I mean it, it would almost be a lie if I did anything else so it won out yeah. so um I guess can you talk about the style the theme of it I mean we're seeing people characters the noses are always very standout-ish <laughs> like like I guess like what brought you to that sort of that that topic in the in the arts I don't know I you know I I I feel like I've been stuck on it for a couple of years. I've been just stuck on these kind of portraiture things. And, and I don't, I, right now I'm not, um, I'm not painting from, I'm not using photos or I'm not, I'm, I'm just going in and I'm just throwing paint on the thing and letting it sort of reveal itself as it comes out. It's sort of like, it's sort of more fun that way. And it's, it's kind of the way the record was even made. Like I, I would kind of, going with almost nothing maybe a little piano thing I was playing the night before or something and and this art was kind of done the same way where you're sort of creating something from nothing and you don't know where it's going to take you and as you're smearing the 
pain on the thing and you're, you know, then all of a sudden you start to see a face and then, and then the, then you start, you know, making the shape of the face within, you know, all that paint that's on there. And if it's bad, you just wipe it out, um, start over. Um, and so there's no theme. It's more just like, you know, your subconscious and trying not to get in the way of, uh, what you're creating. It was, I mean, it was the same way with the music. It was like, I didn't want to go in saying, I need to write up tempo song today, or I need to write something more hip hoppy today or, you know, whatever. It was like, it was like, just go in and whatever comes out, comes out. And if there's something, if there's a good thing about it, then follow that vein to hopefully the end. Well, I, I will tell you, like, as a fan of your work, of, of Pearl Jam and everything you guys have been doing for the 30 years, like half the fun for me has been what's the packaging going to look like? You know, what's right. the artwork going to look like? I mean, you all set the bar so high, you know, I brought a couple pieces here. This right here might be one of the masterpieces yeah. as far as what you can get in a vinyl pack or a CD package or anything. I mean, yeah. the Polaroids are coming out with this. Like, and, and I guess that, that that's kind of part of the question is like, at, at what point does that become what you have to focus on? Yeah, I mean, I you know, we've always been pretty good at like, the artwork doesn't start to happen until the music's 95% done, usually. Um, I mean, the last record was the, and it's the classic thing where our management and the record label, I mean, it, it takes so long to create the packaging, they want that stuff up front. And, you know, we're usually the title is like the last thing song titles are changing the artwork, the whole theme of the thing is changing all the way up to the end. <clears throat> and it's kind of the fun thing because it's, um, it's just what I was talking about where you don't know what it is until you can hear the record and, and the record sort of tells you what the art should be. Um, and, you know, oftentimes it's just Ed and I at the warehouse late, just kind of working through this stuff. And if we're working with an artist, then it's, you know, the last couple of records we've been, we've worked with artists. So it's going back and forth with those guys and giving them a bunch of information at night and having the art come back in the morning and then tweaking that and just having this thing happen. And um, it's, I, I don't even almost know any other way to make a record, you know, it's um, cause it is pretty in-house and it's, it's, it is almost as much fun as making the music. I, I imagine you know, the label or whoever, when you turned in no code, which by the way, 25th anniversary year for that one. I imagine that wasn't the most enthusiastic. Yay. This is what we get to press. I mean, it's so, there's so much um, going on. I mean, going all the way back to the second record, we were sort of pushing the, you know, boundaries. I mean, I think on versus we were like, we don't want a jewel case. We don't, we don't want plastic. Um, they were like, well, we don't really do that. And, and then we, they came up with these two options and they were, and, and those, second third fourth records those those packages ate heavily into our our uh profits <laughs> no code i don't know if we made any money on that record <laughs> it's, it's such an interesting record to listen to these days too because like from at least from the stories that i've read heard online in the interviews and everything this is sort of like the back against the wall record when there was it feels like maybe there was nothing beforehand. Like it was one of those, you know, few times where there was nothing, something created from nothing in that moment. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's a there's a couple songs in that record that Ed Ed came in with, but for the most part, that record was kind of written in the studio and and really, for me, when I think of that record, I just think about how um, what a force Jack Irons Irons was in that record and how seriously he took you know his drum parts and it's you know it's super obvious on in my tree and who you are and you know present tense and it's it's certainly at that point it 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 let us know that we could even go more different directions sonically and songwriting wise and i think we lean on that pretty hard still you know i think we i think every record we sort of hope that there's going to be a few songs that sort of like stretch us to some other you know, place in the musical landscape. And um, I, I mean, it was a hard record to make because we were we were horrible communicators at that point. We were just like, and, and at the same time, it was kind of the awesome part of making music because we just sat in a room and started playing and we didn't tell each other what to play. We were just doing it. But on the other end of it, it was, um, there was a lot going on that we weren't talking about. So, um, we, you know, we're lucky we got through it. We're here. Well, you did stretch and with so many different sounds. I'm going to uh, tongue in cheek, uh, half jokingly bring up, especially this one right here with <laughs> Olympic Platinum. <laughs> Man, that I don't was, know, this, this is one of the ones that hasn't been performed live yet, I don't think. So yeah, it's... <laughs> that, that was all Nick Didia, who was uh, the engineer on a lot of those records. Um, you know, at the end of almost every night, the conversations get silly and you get... Um, you know, it's almost like you're so tired, you're, you know, everything's funny. And that song was, uh, came out of one of those, uh, you know, and Olympics were happening. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Nick Didia. <laughs> So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Well, the B-side smile, uh, I think you wrote the music on that. Yeah. That's that's personally become one of my wife and my favorite songs, one of our couple songs, I guess you yeah, would say. Awesome. Kind of one of those moments right there. You do, you get that all through all of it. It, it. The other thing I wanted to bring up here is that, you know, talking about Jack Irons and what he was doing with the drums seemed to really align uh, in that same year you did this project yeah. with Three Fish. Yeah. Which, you know, when I listen to No Code, what Jack's doing, what you're doing, and the Three Fish, I mean, there seems to be this, I want to say the tribalism sound, you know, whatever yeah. you categorize that, you know. How did that link up for the two of you guys? Because what a perfect marriage. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, what's interesting is like, I think we made that we made that three fish record before we made uh no code and and so when we started making that record it, it it fell right in with what we were doing with richard and and robbie um and we you know the three fish thing was uh there there was there really was a no rules openness vibe to that to those sessions and um uh you know we were we were sort of making richard play the drum kit uh, you know, 
like anything but a rock kit. So we would take his cymbals away, we'd take his hi-hat away, replace it with like some toms or, you know, a couple of gym bays. I mean, we, I mean, I wish we had pictures of that, of those setups because they were, we didn't have the proper stand. So it, stuff was leaning on things. And, but um, yeah, you know, I think at that point we were just trying to bust out of it. I think, I think uh, the whole rock grunge thing had kind of gotten so huge that we were, we were just trying to push into something else. So yeah. And I'm proud of those three fish records. Yeah. That's uh, I, I like the first one. The second yeah. one, I think is that's the, that's my favorite of the two, yeah. but yeah. Uh, that's yeah. some good stuff. Finishing it kind of out on the no code. I'll also, my visual props here are strong today. Yeah. I know. It's awesome. But this is the uh, latest vault release. I haven't even seen it yet. A, yeah. This came out uh, that, well, it's the, uh, the October 17th, 2014 show where you guys actually played no code in full yeah. right here. It's, these have been such beautiful packages and yeah. so fun to listen to what you guys have been doing on those how far in advance are you all planning these like do you do you have an idea of what the next vault's going to be uh yeah we have you know we're we're probably um a year ahead of i think there's a couple in the queue right now um and i think they have to be fully okayed by everybody once they're mixed and all of that um but uh yeah, John Burton and then Brett Elias and both those guys uh, have been taking notes. Um, we're, we're always sort of looking for uh, shows that maybe didn't get a proper release or we weren't happy with the mix of. Um, a lot of people want those super early shows, but we don't have multi-tracks of those early shows. And sometimes the only recordings we have are like cassette or dat. And sometimes the dat didn't get get taken out the second one didn't get put in and there's so there's big holes um in, in some uh shows that people are are looking for but we're working one on one right now that we've there's a i think we found an audience a pretty good audience tape so we're going to try to do some things where we meld the audience tape with the half of a dat that's so. cool early stuff i'm guessing yeah. is what you're talking yeah. about some of the early shows yeah. You know, for a cassette culture also coming back these days, I mean, I think there's some forgiveness if you were to press one of those also on cassette. I mean, I think people would understand then that the audio is yeah. the audio, you know? Yeah, cassettes sound pretty good. Um, we have a little cabin where I grew up and, um, that all we have up there is um, this old stereo with a cassette player. And so I, I brought all my cassettes up there and it's like, I, you know, when you've been listening to MP3s for the last 20 years, um, cassette sounds warm and there's like, with some texture and some things in, in going on there. I mean, you're missing the top, but um, I think as a, as a guy with uh, pretty solid tinnitus, um, that, that, that I don't miss that top end. <laughs> <laughs> my son, he's 14 now and probably for the past five years and continues this day to carry one of my old Walkmans around with him. And uh, awesome. we'll bust that out every now and then. It's, I think he listens to it more than I did because I, I you know, I was, cassettes in the 80s but i you know when i grew up by the time i was hitting teenagers like cds were already already there so yeah. i think he's definitely hitting it more than i am yeah i still have my original walkman and that thing is bulletproof i you know they i don't think they ever made them the same after that those first few years that they made those walkmans they're metal they were like built like a tank they're really expensive but that that i mean that was a big deal riding the like all of a sudden you're riding the bus down the half an hour ride downtown with a with music in your ears it was like right good times life-changing moments yes. right there uh my, my final prop and i gotta obviously bring it up because it's the 30th anniversary year of this beautiful p3 
pinkish purple record. Do we decide on what color that actually is. That's I don't know. It's, it's, there's a pink. Yeah, there's pinks, all kinds of pinks. <laughs> the thing about this, you know, it's a classic record. Yeah, it's probably not my favorite of the of the Pearl Jam, but it's obviously one of the greatest records of all time. I say obviously because the world has decided that over time. When I listen to this record every now and then, though, it is undeniable the magic that is happening in it. Like you as one of, you know, the artists and the songwriters, you probably hear the moments you, you know, you, you probably hear it different than I do. But when I hear it, there is there's that something that you get from those very few albums, you know, in all of time, whether you're listening to the first Pixies record or, you know, some classic Who record or whatever, but there's some sort of magic in there. I mean, does that does that come out to you at all? Well, I mean, especially when I think about um, when I think about the, you know, recording that record and recording the demos leading up to it, um, there, there was a real excitement and, you know, it was kind of unbelievable in some ways because we, because Stone and I had been gone through the Mother Love Bone thing and just to, just to feel like we we're getting another chance. Um, I think that played into it. Um, and I think, you know, I always say like, I always feel like I really, I always gravitated towards like that genuine excitement and that energy, like that, you know, when people are like emanating like joy and like pain and all the things that come out when you play music. And, you know, again, we, we weren't talking about anything at that time, except for, Hey, that, that section's a little bit fast or we weren't playing to a click. So there was a lot of like, Hey, it's speeding up a little bit too much on this section. But we were, we, you know, we were so excited to be in the studio and we did it on our own, did it with a local, you know, producer, engineer guy, Rick Parashar. And so, um, you know, I, I, I don't hear the record necessarily that way anymore because it's gone through so many iterations and we've played those songs so many times. But when you play those songs live, that, that, that feeling comes right back because I think the, I think the crowd hears it the way that we were playing it in 1990, 91, you know, so. You did the music for Jeremy, right? Was yeah. that you? Yeah. You got the writing yeah. credit on that? Yeah. Like going back and trying to separate myself from what that song has been all these years too, uh, and taking Ed's vocals off of it, especially. It's, it's almost surprising even more, I think, that that becomes such a big hit because what you're doing musically on that is so interesting and, and almost abstract in a way. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was having a 12 string bass um, and I, I'd, written, I'd written that riff and the Why Go riff on an acoustic guitar with the idea that, I mean, I'd played a 12 string bass before, so I knew what it was gonna sound like. And, you know, props to, you know, props to Stone and Mike for, you know, coming up with, you know, interesting guitar parts on those songs um, when the bass is taking up so much sonic space. Um, but it, you know, it, you know, I was really super influenced by Cheap Trick. Um, Tom Peterson played a 12 string. And so, you know, that song Heaven Tonight and uh, Need Your Love, uh, they're, they're sort of symphonic and almost classical in, 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 in a way. Um, and so that's, I think that's what I was, that's, you know, that's what was coming out of me. Yeah, it's, it's cool stuff all through that. I know there's a record store day release kind of celebrating uh, with, with Alive too. And uh, yeah, 
I, I've been pulling out some of the weirdo parts of it, like Dirty Frank and, you know, some of that stuff kind of revisiting. I mean, there's such fun stuff that goes all the way through all of that, which, again, you know, it's what you've done. Uh, you all have done through the entire career. I, I so appreciate that. I, I know it's usually secretive, but do you guys have the next steps? I mean, you obviously didn't get together for a pandemic record as a band. I mean, yeah. do you know what happens next? Well, uh we actually had a little bit of a play um, like three weeks, four weeks ago in Seattle, um, just got in a room and just, we weren't playing any songs. We just jammed and it was like so beautiful. Like, I mean, I just missed that so much. And we talked a little bit just about how everybody was feeling. Uh, I think, you know, we have a few things penciled in for next year, hopefully Hopefully this variant and whatever's going on with vaccinations and all that stuff, hopefully that stuff, hopefully we turn the corner. Um, it feels like we're sort of still teetering on the edge of this thing. So um, if uh, if we turn the corner, then hopefully we hit like late winter, early spring with like a tour, you know, or a leg um, at least. Um, I mean, we're, we're jonesing to do it. Um, and we would, some of the sh most of the shows that we that we have to make up for the two legs, the European leg and the U.S. leg, most of those shows are in, um, you know, they're they're indoors. So um, I, I just don't know if I want to go out and do 30 shows where you're checking vaccination cards. And, I, you know, it's like, I mean, hopefully we can be smart enough that, again, we can just turn the corner and, you know, by March, we're like rocking and everybody can feel good about you know, traveling and, and all, and, and getting 20,000 people into a space. Uh, I mean, we're already, I, I saw Brandy Carlisle like 10 days ago here in Missoula, at a killer outdoor venue. And it was, it was religious, you know, it was, you know, it was, people were so happy to be there and Brandy and her band were so happy to be there. And um, so she's got a great yeah. new single. She's got a yeah. great new single. Yeah. 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 yeah, always love what she she's does. Got a great band. Her new band is amazing too. She's got she's got a really, it's it's veering off. It's getting outside of that country thing, and I and the further she gets away from it, the more I love it. So I'm excited where she's headed. I'm not surprised because the twins have always wanted to be For grunge sure. stars themselves. So it's For sure. yeah. <laughs> now they got this. Now they got this African percussionist dude who's like taking it to this cool space, and Shooter Jennings is playing piano. It's like it's awesome. It's really good. Oh, can't wait to see that too. And for you all, I, I know, I mean, we haven't been able to hear the Gigaton songs come to life in themselves. So I know that's uh, something that, you know, we're all interested in hearing what happens, what happens. Yeah, later. we got to relearn them again. <laughs> we learned all those songs. <laughs> that was like a year and a half ago. So yeah, we got yeah. some, we got some work to do for sure. <laughs> Well, I look forward to it. I love the headspace that you're in musically right now. Again, this uh, this new solo record, I should be outside. Seriously, you, uh, this is so good. It's just so good. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks, thanks so much. Yeah. That means a lot, truly. Jeff, it's been a pleasure talking to you once again. Take care. I hope we get to see you sooner than later, man. Yeah, say hi to Louisville. My morning jacket, the Louisville skate park. I love that skate park. All right, man. All right. See you around. Thanks, Bye. Kyle. Take care, man. Bye. Last time Jeff and I got to speak was back in 2018. He had just released his uh, record, Heaven Hell. That was his previous solo record. Uh, so we got to talk about that, the uh, Angel Olsen collaboration on that record, and some Pearl Jam talk on that one. So here's part two, Kyle Meredith with Jeff Amitz, Pearl Jam. Hi, Kyle. It's Jeff Amitz. Uh, congrats on the new solo record. It's really been great to hear. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, Heaven Hell. So I'd like to start with the name thing. You don't use your full name. 
is is that a way to sort of separate from something or, or maybe even to build a character? I, I think it might be a little bit of sort of trying to create a character as opposed to just being like me, you know, like, and I think for me, I think I, from a graphic standpoint, I, I always liked the way that my last name looked as opposed to my first name. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like the A and the M next to each other and the T at the end. There's, so there's, I guess, I've always thought in those sort of terms when it comes to band names and words and song titles and that sort of thing. So I always think of like how the letters look. And uh, I think that probably had as much to do with it as anything. It, it certainly wasn't, you know, me trying to be Cher or you know, to create this because it, 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 it is my name. But I think I was just trying to take it out of like, I don't know, Eamon sound doesn't necessarily sound even like a name of right. a person. It sounds like it could be like a foreign word or something. So uh, Now, as far as the songs, is there a certain period that these come from? Yeah, all, all these songs were sort of written in a two-month period. Um, last August, I recorded uh, Safe in the Car, The Noise, The Door, and Hyperphasia. And that sort of gave the, it sort of gave me momentum to finish some other songs. And so over the course of like September and probably the first part of October, I wrote the rest of the songs with those four first songs in mind. And uh, and it's a re- really different process than the previous two little solo things that I did because th- those ones were sort of like the best of 25 or 30 songs that I had recorded over a few years or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. With the first single, Safe in the Car, uh, when you were talking about the inspiration for the video uh, and you mentioned Cormac McCarthy, I I thought, oh, my God, I hope we never get to that point. Was that also what you were thinking with the song? Yeah, well, I mean, the song, it was initiated by uh, my my dogs. uh, When we would have a bad lightning thunderstorm, uh, they would almost have an out-of-body fear going on. And the only place that I could get them to settle down was to go in the garage inside the car and I would usually end up sleeping with them in there. Um, and it, over the course of doing that a few times, I started thinking about like, well, where, like, obviously my dogs feel like it's the end of the world. <laughs> and, and so where would I go if, if uh, you know, where would I go if it was the end of the world? And um, one, one place I thought would be, it would be good to go to the bar with your friends because if the world was going to end, you'd rather be in a surrounded by people that you loved. And so that's the chorus sort of goes back and forth between being safe in the car and then uh, feeling love at the bar. And you tapped Angel Olsen to help you out on the vocals. We're big fans of hers. How did that relationship come about? I saw her play a show about three years ago in Montana, and uh, I ordered a T-shirt from her, and she responded after I ordered a T-shirt from her. I guess maybe she was actually running the merch part of her organization at that point and we stayed in a little bit of contact she came to a pearl jam show i think maybe two years ago and then uh we would just have little little email connections kind of here and there um and then when i finished the song i kept i just kept hearing a woman's voice in it and uh i just thought well i'll start with kind of one of the great voices that i could think of and and then i'll work my way down and (laughs) And she said she said yes, and she was very gracious, and and it really gave the song some desperation and gravitas. I think like her her vocals really really kind of made the song. Now, is that her singing also on the voices, or or is that someone else? That's that's my uh, that's my niece Akira, uh, my brother's my brother's daughter, who's also really really great singer, nineteen year old singer songwriter, and 
trying to make things happen in music right now, but she, um, she's got a great voice. Yeah. Yeah. Now while we're on the songs, um, I want to hit on somewhere, which is a really fun song. It feels like maybe going back to the, uh, the punk of your youth, uh, which got me thinking, you know, like, aren't we always trying to reconnect with that kind of fire? Yeah. And that song came together really quickly and was, and was kind of loosely inspired by Kink's well, well-respected man, which I've, I think I've talked mm-hmm. about, um, being a really important song for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, like a simple angsty, you know, song about, you know, trying to not be everybody wants you to be carve out your own you know your own niche in the world so um yeah i mean it's fun especially to write those kind of songs on your own because you sort of have to i think by nature we want to kind of write mid-tempo-y so i just created a little drum loop and that was super up tempo and then wrote the song around that now on the flip side you have a song like drugs which is such a cool song, especially with uh, the spoken word style. Uh, it kind of even reminds me of, of like the weirder side of, of Pearl Jam. So, so what's the story with this one? Well, I, I, I've always really appreciated um, the arrangements of a lot of the early Roxy Music records they, they, because they weren't verse-chorus, verse-chorus. It was almost like they were, uh, uh, they were acts of the song. Like there's the first act and the second act and the third act. And that's sort of... Uh, inspired that song and it and that song is sort of the sister or the brother to safe in the car because it's I guess the gist of the song is like maybe I would be able to handle the state of the world right now if I did more drugs <laughs> <laughs> now do you have any desire to tour the solo records um you know it, it I have a you know a big enough group of songs right now that I it would be fun to do that at some point for sure um I, I don't have any plan to do it um Pearl Jam's pretty busy the next three or four months, and, you know, I, I guess it would really depend on how much Pearl Jam's working, you know, over the next year or two, and I, there'll be a spot somewhere where I'll, I'll do that, because it's, it's, I've never really done it, and it would be sort of good to just go out there and put a whole ton of pressure on myself. <laughs> and as I heard, as far as Pearl Jam, you know, Can't Deny comes out, and we're like, yay, new single! And, and expecting that that leads to a new album, but then it's like, well, maybe not yet. So, is it safe to assume that that's probably a 2019 thing? I, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, the the one thing that we have working against this is the upcoming tour, and the other thing we have working against this is it takes three or four months to actually do a vinyl version of of any record. So, um, um, I mean, that was the thing that held off even my little solo record the, the longest was just the production of, of, of vinyl um so yeah I, 2019 is probably safe to say but I, I i don't know i you know we 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 just need we just need a good solid six to eight weeks uh carved out where we're we're just in recording you know all these ideas that we have so does it surprise you the distance between albums as you get later in your career, which is a normal thing for career bands? Yeah, I, you know, I it's different for me. I, I don't I don't have kids, and so everybody else has kids, and I think that really eats up a lot of space. And I think you know, if you look at I don't know, if you look at the last seven, eight, ten years, like I've been probably more active than the other guys in terms of like I've. I know. I think I've made a couple of R&DM records and a Trace Mountains record and a couple of solo records, and so I think I have a little bit more time to do that stuff. Um, but there's, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. You know, we're working on a lot right now, so um, feels like whatever's next is going to be really good and really, uh, you know, 
there's a lot to be inspired by and a lot to be pissed off about. So, Well, I, I wouldn't want this to get in the way of a new album because I'm definitely hungry for that. But the box set series, like you guys did for the first three albums, do you all talk about doing that for No Code or Yield? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if we'll do boxes for that or not. Um, we ended up reissuing those records, ma- mainly because we saw like what people were paying for them on eBay, and we just thought that was just insane that people were paying like a few hundred dollars for you know a version of No Code. So um, we, we, you know, we sort of opted to remaster those records and, and just put them out you know, in that form. I guess, you know, what I want to hear is, is what's left over. I mean, those, so those are my favorite Pearl Jam records. They're really important to me. And let's be honest, uh, I, I'm greedy for what uh, I haven't heard from them. Jack Irons years. The Jack Irons years, yes. Well, with all due respect to Matt Cameron, who also has a new solo record that I'm really digging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, 30th anniversary show, maybe? Yes? Uh, you know, I probably won't be the one leading the charge for that because I wasn't really that into doing the 20th anniversary, and I I don't know. I yeah. always feel like there's danger in looking back or, like, I, you know, I'm all, I always want to make new music and play more new shows and go to new places, and so, but... Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure somebody will throw a three X's or a three zero on a T-shirt or something. <laughs> well, I look forward to it. Uh, and again, I know the most important thing is a new album. Uh, I can't wait for a new record and to hear what you guys are saying and singing and sounding like. I mean, Can't Deny has really been a great teaser. Uh, but again, in the meantime, thanks for Heaven Hell. Uh, really has been a lot of fun to listen to. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, Jeff. Yeah. See you, cop. And my thanks to Jeff. Again, the brand new album is called I Should Be Outside. Thanks to you as well for checking out this episode. Please hit that subscribe button uh, again so you can get three brand new interviews every single week. New ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video version, or anywhere you get your uh, podcast from. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, uh, including Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. Make sure to say hi when you do. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. So Patrick and Jim James and those guys will hear it. So that's great. They're just all great humans. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.